to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, sponsored by Noel's Business Blazers for Princesses, the women's blazer guaranteed not to give you the cold shoulder. That is my dumbest <laughs> intro yet, but it'll make a <laughs> tiny bit more sense after you've watched the topic of today's episode. So join us on a trip back to the world of filmation from the 1980 TV special, A Snow White Christmas. A Snow White Christmas. I am giant having a hiccuping fit that can literally move mountains, Mike Westfall. <laughs> and joining me because every evil queen starts out as a bad princess. It's the host of the Bad Princess Movies podcast. Please welcome Christy and Bree. Hello, friends. Hello. Oh, hello, hello. Very happy to be here. I'm very excited. I, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now, Mike. So it's oh, yay. I, I feel like I'm meeting a, a celebrity. Oh dear. Don't go telling people that. <laughs> uh, thank you. I will call this a recommendation of yours. You brought it up to me about a year ago. Uh I had only just heard of it last year, trying to find something I hadn't seen before for my show here, but before I get into my story, let's hear yours, Christy. Did you know about this special before starting your podcast? Yeah, actually. Uh, so I found out about this one because, so as you know, I have my own podcast where I force Brie to look at movies <laughs> involving princesses, usually terrible ones that we like to laugh at, poke fun at. And so as a result, I'm always on the hunt for movies about princesses. And in particular, I really wanted to try and bulk out my collection of Christmas movies involving princesses. So I went on a hunt one day and a Snow White Christmas popped up in my search. And I was really intrigued by this one because, you know, aside from being familiar with filmation in general, I was very familiar with their other Snow White adaptation, which was Happily Ever After. That one's actually a sequel to the Disney version of Snow White. And yes. that one was a nostalgic favorite of mine from childhood. So I was very curious to see if, if a Snow White Christmas was in any way related to Happily Ever After. And as it turns out, it's not. Nope. Uh, <laughs> not in the least. Um but you know what? This one, like, it's a cute little special. Uh, that said, there are some goofy moments to it, but it is certainly, as an authority on bad princess movies, this one, I wouldn't say, is a bad princess movie. It's a kind of cute Christmas, uh, kind of cute princess movie with some hiccups <laughs> here and there. Uh, so I'm really excited to get to talk about this one on your podcast. I feel like this is a good place to talk about it. Thank you so much. Brie, had you seen this before now? Oh, I had not. Um, <laughs> as is the <laughs> case with with most uh, of the shows that we do on the podcast, um, Christy sent this to me and I knew nothing about it. And 
just got to enjoy it for the first time. <laughs> and yeah, it was, I, I was surprised to find that it was also another sequel to Snow White. Like the mm-hmm. Filmation did two yeah. different sequels. Right. I also had never heard of this until last year, but when I saw it was by Filmation, my first thought was also, oh, like Happily Ever After. And I was very wrong. <laughs> it's almost a shame, really. I wouldn't have minded having this as, as I, I guess, a sequel to the sequel of Happily Ever After. But uh, this one predates it by a few years, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think Happily Ever After is from 1989 or the late half of the 80s. This yeah. is from pretty much the very beginning. It aired December 19th, 1980 on CBS. I was a tiny baby boy at the time. Uh, they put this on primetime on the Friday night before Christmas, so they made a big oh. deal of it. Wow, that's a primo spot for a special. Yeah. I don't know what else was on at the time, but CBS yeah. had the airtime, so sure. Yeah, I mean, good for Filmation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh Right, this was by Filmation, the studio I've talked about before on here. They brought us the original He-Man and She-Ra cartoons and Brave Star. And Christy, you sent me an interview with the co-founder of Filmation, Lou Scheimer, that was included in your copy of this. Do, do you have, is it a DVD copy you have or? Yeah, so it's just the DVD copy. And as okay. a little bonus, there's just a nine minute interview with uh, Lou Scheimer. And he just gives a few odd thoughts about the film and. Yeah, no, nothing super in-depth, unfortunately, but some nice little tidbits. No, it, a nice look back for him on it and just sharing his memories of, of making it. And he's still very fond of, mm-hmm. which is nice. And I agree, this was a cute little universe that they created and you're brought into it for an hour and then you leave and that's it. But I had a good time. So it's a sequel to an established fairy tale because at the time... Lou Scheimer says there weren't any stories that followed up on what happened after the end of the original Snow White story. So we wanted to explore that. And he also mentioned it's a Christmas special because it was easy to sell Christmas specials. So <laughs> I was going to say, I was wondering, because it barely touches on Christmas at the beginning. And then it sort of moves away and does its own thing for most of the runtime. And then at the end, it's like, oh, oh, by the way, Christmas. Yeah, this is barely a Christmas special. Yeah. The most Christmassy thing about it, besides the snow, is that they live in a kingdom called Noel, which, okay, since when? (laughs) You know, Snow White, the, the famously, you know, Christmas themed fairy tale where they rule over the land of Noel. Yes. Maybe that's where the prince is from or the king. Now he's King charming. I don't know. <laughs> I did I like love that. The, yeah. They just kept his name as charming. <laughs> right. That's his name. I had thought it might've been an attempt to cash in on a Disney re-release, but it wasn't. It, um, but you two know, especially how some <laughs> video company will put out another version of a story Disney made a movie out of, and you'll find it at like Walgreens for five dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's what I've dedicated the last six years of my life to. <laughs> you cover the uh, one, the Little Mermaid from Toei Animation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love that one. <laughs> I had that on VHS. <gasps> oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, I think my sister saw it in a Toys R Us, like right as the movie was out. 
and thought, hmm, what's this? I'm intrigued. Perfect timing. Of course. That's always how it happens to just so happens to come out while the uh, the big name movie is in theaters. Oh, yeah. That's very much on purpose. I used to work at uh, at a Toys R Us. I worked in the electronics department and it was always fun to see what uh, what was being released on our shelves at the same time <laughs> that the new movies were coming out in theaters. I, I specifically remember Ratatouille. Oh, which, no. <laughs> which was oh. a ratatouille that's a oh. thing by the infamous the uh, ratatouille we have at home yeah yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the infamous video brincato they've they've done quite a few of those at this point i believe they also had uh oh gosh what was their kung fu panda ripoff oh we had that on the shelves too but I don't remember what it was called. Someone got my kids this really bad Finding Nebo wannabe that oh. it's it's really bad. The animation's terrible. Freddie Prince Jr. is a voice in it because he wasn't doing anything. I think it's it's called The Reef. I can see it from over here, and it's just, I don't do just, understand. Do you just keep it nearby for <laughs> conversation point? And I, my shelf of DVDs, because we barely watch them anymore now that everything's streaming, but it's just, they're all collecting dust in my room over here, but we don't want to get rid of them because one Friday, Friday night's our movie night. So if we decide, well, we're out of everything, (laughs) let's watch the reef again for no reason, or it can be like a road trip movie. I don't know. I think that's what happened. I think. Someone found us a road trip movie and we put it up on in the van during one of our trips up north. Uh, And there we go. But but that's not what's happening here. Filmation legitimately wanted to make a Snow White sequel and set it at Christmas and not talk about Christmas. So that brings us into the sequel. And in this, the Snow White we know is now Queen of Noel alongside King Charming. But we follow the adventures of their daughter, also named Snow White, just (laughs) to be confusing. Not because of her skin, but because of her white hair. Which makes her look a lot like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, wow. (laughs) I thought she looks like Carol Channing, but a teenager. Oh, that's a good one, too. (laughs) <laughs> but it looks fine on her somehow. Yeah. I actually like this character design. Yeah, it's cute. For for the most part, I'm on board with it, I will say. And speaking as, as a Canadian and an authority on all winter, these people are not <laughs> dressed for a proper winter. No, they're not. <laughs> She's wearing just a light jacket. It looks like a blazer with big shoulder pads. You know, yeah. like a princess wears. Yeah. Little yeah. leggings, little booties. Yep. Bright yellow dress. Classic princess garb. Absolutely. Yeah. Although this is, this is, I, and this is a fun thing to think of all you're watching this one is being very economical with your story and your designs. Because while Snow White does not look like she is dressed for winter, she does look like she is dressed pretty good for the not winter that she soon find her she soon finds herself in that's true i didn't think of that why bother to have two character designs just figure out one that kind of works for both scenarios and there you go there you go give her a jacket but make it light mm-hmm. yeah 
all all seasons. Uh, and fashionable. She, it looks like she belongs in some fashion lines business wear collection is what it looks like. Yeah. Or maybe a King's does. Quest game. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hat. The hat really makes the whole ensemble. Oh, absolutely. And like the three colors. So the voice of this younger Snow White is Lou Scheimer's daughter, Erica Scheimer. I love the Ice Festival every year. It's so much fun. I've mentioned her before. She voiced a number of She-Ra's friends. Her mother, the original Snow White, is a more traditionally dressed queen, voiced by Diane Pershing. Every day is Christmas, having Snow White for a daughter. Best known to me as Poison Ivy on Batman the Animated Series. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that until I looked her up. I'm like, hey, I know you. She might still be, well, no, not still, but she voiced Poison Ivy in a bunch of stuff for a good decade, I want to say. Oh, awesome. I, I feel like you don't get that a lot in Western animation. Not anymore, anyway. And I couldn't find a proper credit for the now King Charming. Doubly so for me, having two Snow Whites. I have an idea who it might be because there is a voice cast and I guess the internet just did the best they could. <laughs> but Artie Johnson is one of the names listed, and we know he's a character later on that we'll, in, that we'll meet later. But Artie Johnson did a bunch of voice acting work, but he was also on the show Laughing, particularly this short German soldier character whose catchphrase was very interesting. So <laughs> if anybody remembers Laughing, it's this guy. Maybe. I, I, not ringing a bell. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's seven. That's before mine time, too. But I remember it uh, oh. rerunning on Nick at Night. Oh, nice. And the last character I'll mention up here is Snow White's BFF Grunion, who is clearly a dwarf. But I don't remember if they explained he's supposed to be one of the dwarves. Is he? I don't think he no, is. No, because he's just I. he's just Grunion. Yeah, he's just a dude. I think so, because the, as we'll see later, uh, the seven dwarf stand-ins for this film, they are the cousins of the original seven dwarves. So oh, I that's think if, right. Yeah, so if Grennan was one of the original, I think they would have recognized him. That's a good point. Doesn't follow the naming convention either. No, Grunion doesn't have any... Uh nervous tick or anything. <laughs> it sounds delicious, though. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I'll take of the Grunion. Lumen Grunion. Yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I can't wait to see what I get in my stocking this year. What did you get last year? Nothing. Everything fell through the holes in the toes. But Grunion is by the younger Snow White side this entire special, and he is voiced by Charlie Dell, who's a character actor I know I've seen in things, but just brief scenes and things like it says he was in fight club as a doorman and liar liar as a guy in the bathroom so he's one of those guys oh he's a background artist yeah and his imdb photo gallery is largely from a live action filmation space fantasy show called jason of star command he was a professor character in that i have never heard of that yeah me either I feel like that sounds vaguely familiar, but I could just be making that up. <laughs> the name just evokes a certain image in your mind. 
Yeah, like I can picture it. Is the picture correct? I don't, I don't know. know. It it yeah. reminded me of the Tomorrow People. If you've ever watched the Tomorrow People, no, that's don't don't know that one. That's an early '80s. Well, I saw it on Nickelodeon, but I feel like it was a. Uh, I forget what it was from. I think it was made in Canada, but. So the king and queen are hosting the Noel Ice Festival as Christmas approaches. It looks fun. It looks like a very cold Ren Fair. <laughs> yeah. Is it Ren Fair if that's just the time period? Oh, uh, yeah. It's just a regular fair, I guess. It's just a fair. <laughs> it's the Ice Festival. It's a cold yep. fair. Cold party. But again, a vast majority of the holiday-related content of this special takes place in the first maybe three minutes as part mm-hmm. of a montage of Snow White and Grunion enjoying the ice festival and decorating a very tall, very pink pine tree. I love that tree. Yeah. That's a nice looking tree. They hang what seem to be edible ornaments. Is that a thing? I, it, was that a thing? Well, I know we used to string popcorn on our tree. Oh, maybe they were like popcorn balls because Grenion takes a big old bite out of one of them. He does. And it was look, looked like he was stringing cranberries, maybe. Yeah. We never did that on our Christmas trees. Like we had, I, I think we just threw them out, but 30 year old candy canes that somebody bought. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> and the only reason why we threw them out is because they were mostly broken. I'm surprised they lasted 30 years. Yeah, they're candy cane dust. (laughs) Sprinkle it on your cupcakes and give it to someone you hate. Oh, no. That's a good idea. Uh, You know what this tree reminded me of, though? It it reminded me of one of those aluminum trees Charlie Brown refused to get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Noel doesn't have the same concerns about commercialism at Christmas, I guess. Nope. They're throwing a whole (laughs) ice festival. Next, we see Grunion trying to climb a very steep hill with a toboggan, but it, but it's really steep. And Snow White enlists the help of two raccoons who try to give him a boost. And when that doesn't work, they poke him in the butt with a pine needle. You know, as you do. Yeah. It's one of those you poke someone and it makes them quickly dash up to the top. I feel like that's its own TV trope somewhere. It must be. Like, it must be on the TV tropes wiki. Sure. That, But that page would just be enormous. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. And Snow White, like her mother, has this kinship with animals, but they don't do too much with it in this special. They show it here and you see them hanging out in the background a few times. But this is really it. Yeah, it's just like a a cluster of like five animals that she just sort of hangs out with, I guess. They didn't they're not they're the ones not hibernating for the winter. Yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) What? I don't I mean, dude, I don't think deer hibernate. I don't know about the rest of them. I think raccoons might, though. I don't know. Who knows? To the internet. <laughs> Do raccoons hibernate? Help us. <laughs> no. Oh. oh, well. They hole up in their dens. And we all learned something. Well, then, <laughs> excuse me, Filmation. It's an educational show. <laughs> you got me. Animal facts. Yep. 
Uh, well, Grunion makes it as far up the hill as he can until he slides all the way down, not on the toboggan, but dragged behind it, and he ends up crashing into one of the tables at the festival and into a big pile of snow. And instead of it getting upset about it, the king loves it. And he declares Grunion the official baron of the Noel Ice Festival. Which is a real power move. I got to appreciate that. Yeah, I like this king's style. Just, oh, you crashed one of my tables? Well done. You saved Christmas. Yeah. And you will forever be remembered as the guy who crashed into my tables. Right. But he's not being mean about it. He's just, and Grunion seems to be like, that. Ah, thanks. <laughs> Everyone's having a good time. I do enjoy they just had a table with like chalices and like trophy cups. <laughs> That he bashes into, I guess. Yeah, at first I thought they were trophies for the whatever, some kind of contest at the festival, but they all look like little chalices and goblets. It looks like the uh, the grail room in Indiana Jones and the Last <laughs> Crusade. Which one is the true grail? None of these. It's the one on Grunion's head. It's the one on Grunion's head. It chose him. <laughs> he's the chosen one. He is the chosen one, and that's why he's the baron of the Christmas festival. And speaking of Christmas, the younger Snow White tells her parents her wish is to make this year's royal Christmas decree a very big deal for her. Uh, And she wants to make the decree to build a castle for all the children in the kingdom to have as a place to have fun and play and laugh. Which sounds adorable until her dad asks, "Okay, where do you want to build it? And Snow White replies... With all the innocence in the world... We wouldn't have to build it. We could just make over that spooky, old, deserted castle on the dark side of the mountain. <laughs> it's brilliant. How did... how? Just a whole castle they just have laying around on the other side of the mountain. Sure, it looks haunted. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and terrifying. She's fully but- aware of how haunted and spooky it is. Yeah, just the most innocent thought from the purest heart. Hey, can we remake that scary death castle and invite children to it? <laughs> On the dark side of the mountain. The dark side. Where, where no sunlight might touch us. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean. It'll be fine. It's a, it's a brave idea. It is a brave idea, and it shocks her parents. But they both insist, no, no, it's fine. And then when she walks away, we discover that, of course, that's the castle where Snow White used to live with her stepmother, the Wicked Queen. And the king even asks her to make sure, hey, if that castle still holds bad memories for you, should we just not let our daughter make that decree? We can do that. Yeah, that's like, that's actually pretty cool of the king. He's like, look, I know this is is probably like bad memories for you and you don't really want to, like, if you don't want to, touch that right now we can just yeah just yeah no pressure maybe not go in and do a bunch of work in the uh evil spooky castle on the dark side of the mountain right uh but but the queen says they must because here her daughter has no idea about her mother's past or her stepmother or any of that and the queen would prefer to that it stay that way so fine that will certainly not come back to bite them in the butt at any point no not at all Uh, But then, after everyone leaves, we see one ray of light (laughs) shining down from the dark clouds gathering over the dark side of the mountain. And this ray of light is positioned exactly over this 
stained glass window decoration that was over the king and queen's thrones. It it was like a stained glass beach umbrella. Yeah. yeah. What is that? I I don't, I don't understand what purpose it serves. If it's meant to be an umbrella, why would you want it made out of a see-through transparent material? <laughs> well, it reflects the light. Okay, it reflects it directly off this window and directly into the block of ice that encased the <laughs> Wicked Queen when she fell off that mountain. Just so happened that she was dressed in the right place. Just bullseye. What divine prank is this? Yeah. And and never mind how she ended up in a frozen hunk of ice and snow. But don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. it. Don't worry about it. No, she... You know, we if you follow the Disney canon, she fell off that mountain and froze to death. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, but well, not to death, because out of this ice block, <laughs> she comes and this wicked queen is a sight. Oh, to her design's pretty good. It's very simple. It's very classic. Yeah. I don't quite understand the hood hair. Big roundness. I think she on has top of her head. I think she has earmuffs under there. Oh, <laughs> she she's the only one properly dressed for this weather. Yes, yeah. ears covered. She actually reminds me a bit of an evil Queen Marlena from He Man. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So whoever's designing the queens at Filmation did a fantastic job. Yeah, <laughs> they have a type apparently. And while we're on that topic, uh, this Wicked Queen is voiced by Filmation Royalty. It's Melendi Britt, the future voice of She-Ra. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. She, <laughs> Fantastic. She, she does yeah. a great job as the Wicked Queen. I quite like her because she has that regalness to her voice. But then when she needs to turn on the the evil queen stank, she gets this rasp in her voice and she really yeah. lays it on thick. Oh, yeah. She does such a fantastic job with every line. And even as she gets into character later. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. But for now, the queen returns to her spooky old deserted castle on the dark side of the mountain. And her number one priority, as always, is to find her old magic mirror and ask it, hey, I'm still the prettiest, right? <laughs> Man. Not revenge. Not even what year is it. She needs to know that she's fairest in the land. Yeah. I wish I had that level of dedication. <laughs> just, just real confidence in yourself, I guess. Yeah. Just to be able to wake up and know exactly what I want to do with my day. <laughs> i i really like the uh the magic mirror in this one and like the frame of it looks like a little goblin almost it like it's like a little headless goblin he's got little chicken legs and a mustache on top and a mustache but on top or i guess it might be parted hair i don't know but i'm i went with mustache it's mustache shaped it makes sense. I yeah. do love this design. Yeah, so, sure. So, Brie, you're saying that this is a better magic mirror than the Dom DeLuise mirror in Happily Ever After? <laughs> I'd, we don't have to talk about how bad my memory is and how I don't remember what that mirror looks like. <laughs> oh, how could you? I'm sorry. 
It's been like a year. My brain doesn't store things that long. It's gone. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to make a note of that so I can compare them later. Oh, good. <laughs> Maybe put them in the show notes and let you decide. Brie frequently represses the movies that I send her. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why she doesn't just store this all in her memory forever and ever like I do. Yeah, that would be something I do, but defense mechanism, I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> One day you're going to be on like Jeopardy or something and and you'll you'll be wishing you had my recollection for useless uh princess movies. On that day, I'll remember this. <laughs> But the mirror tells her not only are there now two Snow Whites, both fairer than she is, but also the younger Snow White plans to turn the Wicked Queen's castle into a happy place for children. That's a lot of bad news to deal with after just waking up. From however long she was right, a block of ice. At least... 10 years minimum, we'll say, Snow White. She looks like an older, like, tween or maybe young teenager, but so 12, 13 years minimum. Yeah. Uh, and the Magic Mirror is played by Larry Mann, the voice of Yukon Cornelius. There is no one fairest, my queen. There are two equally fairer than all others. Oh, oh. that's awesome. Oh, it's I delightful. Can, I can hear it in my head now. Yeah, now that I now that I knew that after watching this, I could hear it when I watched it again in his delivery. His oh, I got news for you, lady. That that's <laughs> not a direct quote, but it could have been. <laughs> well done. Uh, the queen immediately goes to her laboratory and brews a potion that sends a terrible blizzard over Noel, freezing nearly everyone in its path, including the king and queen. But before it does, we see her face in the king and queen's fireplace. And that's got to be frightening. Just imagine the ghostly face of your long presumed dead former abuser just cackling at you from your fireplace. Mm-hmm. Good times. Terrifying. Yeah. The the idea is horrifying, but the execution in the film is very funny. <laughs> they just overlay her face. It's not like the flames become her face. No, they just overlay her right. laughing face over the fireplace. Sure. It so. Followed immediately by the fire going out by itself, and then it starts snowing inside your house. Freezing you to what you can only assume is to death at this point. The queen's last words to Snow White before she's frozen are to leave the kingdom and find the seven and she's cut off. So that's all Snow White has to go by as she and Grunion peace out of there. Only to find everyone else in the village is frozen as well. How did they escape getting, I guess, because the plot said so, but also wearing that jacket. Oh, it's the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't explain Grunion. Those those little it, booties. No, it yeah. doesn't. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, they do kind of they're they're wearing the same sort of style boots. So maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Ah. Mystery solved. There it is. They escape by sledding down the mountain where their kingdom is on the roof of a house that got blown off. And ride it all the way down below the frost line of the mountain and into a giant tomato. 
next to an even larger gardening hoe, and they have to quickly move out of the way of an equally giant fly swatter because the owner of this giant garden thinks they're bugs. And after berating the owner of this fly swatter, we find out Snow White and Grunion have met not seven dwarfs, but their cousins, the Seven Giants. Seven friendly giants, as they tell us in song. We are the seven friendly giants. Oh, the song. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the big showstoppy number of this special because we've had little tidbits of songs here and there, but they've always been almost these like narrative pieces where there's these little quick bits of lyrics that come in to clarify what's going on. But the we are the seven friendly giants song. This is the one that they choose to linger on and to do a whole music video about it. Just these yeah. giants introducing themselves. Yep. Like that it feels like they wanted this set of giants to become a thing almost. But you're right, the other music is just it's like mood music for montages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sort of appears and then just stops. They're sort of sprinkled in the background and not meant to be paid attention to. Whereas this is like, here, we're going to, you're going to meet, you're going to have several lines about each of these giants. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it introduces all seven. We have, we have Finicky, the neat freak. He's the one with the fly swatter. And he's got this exaggerated fussy voice like he just can't even. Oh, if it isn't dust in the house or wrinkles in my shorts, it's bugs in my tomato. (laughs) We have Corny, the sort of country bumpkin of the group with the southern drawl. Well, there's wearing tiny little clothes and tiny little shoes. So... Dang if they ain't the best dressed bugs I ever seen. He points out to Finicky, those aren't bugs. They're wearing tiny little clothes and tiny little shoes. He might be my favorite just to listen to. <laughs> he does have a very good voice. You you probably weren't able to track down who each of the giants were, right? Well, Wikipedia, I don't know whether they just gave up and said, well, six <laughs> of these are the same guy that um oh <laughs> that makes sense that's what i was wondering because finicky and corny for sure sound pretty similar to me yeah so according to wikipedia Artie johnson voiced six of the seven giants oh. the different one is thinker who's the brains of the outfit well probably the wicked queen does not know you're here come let us go into the house and become friends. Uh, and his voice is Clinton Sundberg in one of his last roles before he died in 1987. Oh, wow. He was in a bunch of MGM films in the 1940s and 50s, including Annie Get Your Gun, Easter Parade, and In the Good Old Summertime. His only credit after this is an infamous animated film called The Thief and the Cobbler that was in and out of production for nearly 30 years. You know this. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, quite well. Yeah, so it was, because it was in and out of production for so long, it's a lot of actors' last credited roles with an asterisk, including Clinton Sundberg here and Vincent Price. Oh, that's right. He was the villain in that. Yeah, I still haven't seen, because I don't think 
that movie ever got properly released, but they they there was the recobbled cut, I yes. think, that got released yep. like a decade ago or something that I've been meaning to to look up. Yeah, very recently. That's that's the one I've seen. Yeah. It's a trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Clinton Sunberg is the voice of thinker here. He's the doc of the outfit, basically. Uh, the others, it looks like they're all Artie Johnson. Oh. Uh, we then have Hicker, who hiccups. Oh, that sounds scary. And here's the point where I realized Filmation's really trying to steer clear of Disney's dwarfs while still getting those similar characteristics in. Here's your sneezy allegory, like... Hi, this is our brother in voluntary reflex. <laughs> the, this is my favorite thing about any adaptation of Snow White is how they handle the dwarves because you you always see they want to steer as close as they can to the beloved Disney movie without actually copying anything that might get them into legal tr- trouble. Right. But yeah, it, it is a fun game to play. And these are very good attempts. I like a lot of these and they fit them into the story very well, too, as we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have Tiny, who's the youngest and also the biggest and tallest of the bunch. Are they bugs? We have Weeper, who can't stop crying. And Brawny, who's, you know, the the guy on the paper towels. (laughs) He's the grumpy one with the heart of gold, but he doesn't like to show emotions because he's a man. Ah, who has time for little fleas? Let him go back where they came from. Oh, Brawny, just just open your heart. Yeah. So those are the seven friendly giants who bring Snow White and Grunion to their house, assuming the Wicked Queen doesn't know where they are. But she's about to find out, because as soon as she's done freezing the Kingdom of Noel, she goes back to her dang mirror to check on her fairness ranking. <laughs> she's like, okay, okay, they're definitely both dead now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's basically the same thing I do when I, I go onto Instagram looking for that serotonin fix. Just, all right. <laughs> oh, yes. How about now? Tell me something good now. I went I went older. I went like she reminded me of a teenager in 2001 on Am I Hot or Not? Do you remember that? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Why did you have to remind me of that? <laughs> the queen reminded me. Oh, oh no! Oh, my children. Before social media really became a thing, there is a website where you could post your picture, oh. get strangers to rate your attractiveness on a scale of one to ten and feel bad about yourself for the rest of time. <laughs> it was stupid. That was the whole point of the site. It was terrible. Yeah. And, and social oh. media has only gotten better and oh, better. Oh, of course. Oh. <laughs> and that's essentially how the magic mirror works in every adaptation of Snow White. And here it again breaks the news that Snow White lives and is hiding in the warm valley with seven giants. And we then find having a fun little party in their home with Snow White and Grunion. It's very much like the party scene in the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's definitely a fair amount of overlap with the Disney version. And obviously I not to point any fingers, but I, I do think filmation 
was intentionally dipping into that, you know, obvious stuff like Brawny filling in for the role of Grumpy, even beyond the obvious. There's, you know, they both hide their affection for, for the little Snow White and even certain shots like back in the Evil Queen's castle. There's a, <gasps> yeah. a quick shot of her going down the staircase into her, yes. her dungeon. And that I it, caught that too. Yeah. That's very reminiscent of a almost exact scene from the Disney version. Yeah. Well, a, lo- a lot of castles that use steps do have that very similar Setup, but I mean, Snow White did it first and did it best. Mm-hmm. Evil Queen in that version had a giant cape for days and it just pillowed <laughs> out yes. majestically behind her. And then in the filmation version, it's a little less majestic, but they tried. Yeah, short little yeah. cape. Well, she makes up for it with whatever's going on with her hair and the earmuffs and whatever. <laughs> and a big pointy crown. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, Brawny's the party pooper here who says, we've got work to do in the morning. I'm going to bed. And he takes a cuckoo clock off the wall so it won't wake him up. And that is where Snow White and Grunion spend the night in the giant's big cuckoo clock. There's there's a little bit in that that I really liked where Brawny, he he grabs the cuckoo clock and he he unwinds it so ostensibly so it won't wake him up in the middle of the night trying to hide that he's doing this for Snow White and Grunion. But he takes the key out and drops it on the table. And when he does, you hear a clink. And at the same time, you see the word clink be animated up from the key. Oh, I didn't notice that. Now I need to go back and look. There. Now it won't keep me awake. Dumb looking clock anyway. It's very quick. Is that, I think it's the only version or the only like instance of that that happens in the film. Yeah, it, it like is. And it's it's a shame because it's it's adorable. I love it. Yeah. I wish they did more. Yeah, so do I now. Oh, I'm in. Got to watch this again. Sorry, I missed that. But I'm glad you spotted it. Very well done. But did either of you have a cuckoo clock growing up or now? No, no, but no. Disney's Pinocchio, Geppetto's workshop in particular, (laughs) made me want one so bad. That's a good one. Uh, My parents had one. It also looked like a little house, and I always wanted to mess with it and look inside, but I wasn't allowed. Oh, but I totally get why Snow White wants to spend the night in there. Uh, And Thinker makes her and Grunion some beds out of matchboxes filled with feathers but he puts the little wooden house next to the fireplace, which... Yeah, no, that's... Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe not the best idea. Hmm. At the very least, they are going to wake up terribly dehydrated the next yeah. morning. <laughs> that won't come around again. It's Chekhov's fireplace. Uh, and after everyone's asleep, we pan outside to find the Wicked Queen there, hiding and waiting for morning. I guess she didn't want to risk going in while the giants were there, even though they were asleep. Hiding is a strong word. Yeah. She's just sort of hanging out in the trees, like <laughs> lurking, lurking. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's good. Biding her time. Sleep well tonight, Snow White, or tomorrow we shall meet. Mom and dad, could this be your little girl? Imagine your Barbie girl. Celebrating Christmas, dreams come true. Wow, Mom, a Barbie dream house. Big. It's fun. And Frankie, that really works. 
I think she likes it. Take her from a grown-up Barbie, Sam. She'll play with it for years. A Barbie dream house. Merry Christmas wishes to your family from ours. And then we cut to next morning. The Giants go off to work to do giant stuff. We get the don't open the door for strangers talk, and that's exactly what I think is next. But no, the queen has a very different trick up her sleeve. (sighs) She turns herself into a mouse. Really, it's a giant rat. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, And chews her way through the front door. Just just chomps her way on through that heavy wooden door. I... I know rats in real life can apparently be very, very loving pets, but the evil queen as a rat is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, well, and it reminds (laughs) at at one point we had rats come into our garage through a hole in the door on the side of the garage and and rats got in there and chewed up a bunch of stuff. So this chewing through the door was a little more plausible for me, but that's a heavy door. And yet... And yet, oh, when when uh, she discovers where where Snow White and Grunion are hiding in their little wooden house. Yeah. Why don't you chew through that? Why can't why doesn't she just chew through it? She's like struggling to try and get at them through the window. And that that part is very dramatic, though. The little rat fist goes through the window (laughs) to try and grab at them. Yeah. Smashes through (laughs) nearly grabs Grunion, but her grip slips inadvertently starting up the clock and making the little wooden guy who hits the bell with the mallet on the hour hit the rat instead. All I could think of was you just chewed through like a huge wooden door. Why is this cardboard giving you a problem? Right. And this, <laughs> and because it's a giant rat that's even bigger than Snow White, it doesn't squeak, it growls like a bulldog. <laughs> Terrifying. Absolutely terrified. But this rat's no dummy. She finds a broom, sets it on fire, and pushes it toward the tiny wooden house. I didn't think I'd actually call that, but it happened. (laughs) I just love, she has the option that she could presumably shrink herself. She is magic, you know? Yeah. Or or get bigger and just stop on the house. Yeah, but... She's not good at thinking on her feet, I think. No, just went with, all right, giant rat. That makes sense. Thankfully, Finicky returns to the house in time for whatever reason, puts out the fire before it engulfs the house or hurts anyone, and chases the rat out a window. And it doesn't take the dwarfs long to figure out what just happened. Thinker notices the rat had no interest in crumbs of cheese no one decided to clean up off the floor. And so it had to have been the queen in disguise. So now that not even their own home is safe, Brawny says they'll have to bring Snow White and Grunion to work with them the next day. And work the next day is apparently digging a trench in preparation for the coming spring. It's apparently the giant's jobs to build mountains and dig rivers and such. I, I'd really love to know who they're employed by. I don't know. Nature's <laughs> landscapers. Yeah. They're also they're digging it nice and early too. Like they're it's not even Christmas yet. They're getting ready for sure. Spring. Yeah, they uh, they're on top of things. Trying to get it done now so they can go on vacation. Fair. And Thinker explains this trench will become a river when spring comes, and 
The ice on a nearby mountain melts, but up on that mountain now is the Wicked Queen looking to speed things up a bit with her own dose of global warming by zapping the snow with her magic fire fingers we didn't know she had. If you could do that, you could have done it to the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just set the little, you know, there's, she has so many options. <laughs> and yet. She's like old Superman cartoons where we discover a new power we never saw before. <laughs> I like that this evil queen has superpowers and isn't just brewing potions, but. Now she's got fire fingers and she's going to drown Snow White to death. But Brawny saves her and Grunion by having them climb on his axe handle. So they stay dry, but the giants at first seem to have all succumbed to the floodwaters after they receive, revealing seven large bodies just lying in the trench in the Christmas special for children. <laughs> the world is a harsh place, children. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Rip off that band-aid now, kids. Oof. There's a lot of moments in this special where Snow White thinks someone's dead but refuses to say the word dead. But but they're all okay, a little shaken, especially Hicker, who hiccups, and we quickly learned they tend to get worse when he's scared or stressed or almost drowned, and they actually cause a little earthquake. And we think nothing of it now, but surprise, it'll come up again. For now, the giants decide Snow White and Grunion must stay in the house, and the giants will have to post a guard. Meanwhile, the queen immediately goes and checks her personal hotness meter again. <laughs> I think, I think that her main thing is she's very, very self-conscious. You know, like mm -hmm. she just she needs a, a life coach, not a magic mirror. Yeah, magic mirror is not a good life coach. No. Mirror tells her again, nope, kid's still alive. So she goes back to the giant's house with a pair of vultures that we've been silently watching follow her this whole time. Just background filler like Snow White's animal buddies. Yeah, I was kind of curious if they were meant to be. Were these her pets that have been waiting around or I guess? I don't think so. I, I remember she tried to shoo them away at first, hmm. but they kept I hanging just... out just as background filler, I guess. You know, as vultures naturally do. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally attracted to her uh, evil aura like vultures are. Right. <laughs> or maybe, oh, you're going to kill somebody? Hey, lunch. Oh, fair. Oh, yeah. Good point. Playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, but this time, the queen now zaps these two vultures and transforms them into a couple of giant dragons who dive bomb the giant's posted guard who is Hicker, whose loud hiccups warn the others. But while he's busy trying to shoo away these giant dragons on his own, the queen now goes to her old standby, disguising herself as an old woman. But a giant old woman. Yes, this time she makes herself grow to the size of the giants, posing as their sister, come to deliver flowers and beckon Snow White to smell them. Smell deeply, my dear. It's so sweet, so pretty. And Grunion immediately kind of looks at her suspiciously, and even more so when he sees a bee land on one of the flowers and drop <laughs> dead instantly. Only Grunion caught that. <laughs> oh, only only Grunion caught that there uh, that there's a giant bee. 
there's no consistency in sizes because these giants are farming giant tomatoes. And apparently there's also just giant bees. So maybe that's why all the people in of Noel live way up high on the mountain. Because <laughs> if you go down the mountain, you have to deal with the giant bees. Everything oh. gets huge. Oh, that's horrifying. Oh, those giant flowers aren't going to pollinate themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice, now that you mention it, that that bee is the only giant animal we see in this. The vultures are regular-sized, but I guess they're from they're from the dark side of the mountain, so they're not mm. in the, the, the uh. warm giant valley. So, all right. But we see some other animals. We see, like, an owl. They're all dancing during the Seven Friendly Giants song, but I guess we don't see them to scale because <gasps> they're in separate scenes. Ooh. It turns out they're massive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an owl just swoops in and makes off with Grunion. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's for waking me up. <laughs> but too late, Snow White smells the flowers and also faints. The giants return and fend off the dragons, which bump into each other, and that turns them back into vultures. <sighs> Out of everything in this special, somehow that was my hang-up for, hey, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that was the one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it said their spells, the spells on them hit each other, and uh, the the magic just canceled itself out. I guess so. I guess like when you <laughs> when you get bonked in the head, hey, I have amnesia now. They forgot their dragons. They forgot they were dragons. <laughs> Uh, but just like how it happened to her mother, Snow White's seemingly lifeless body is found by the giants, and without a word, Brawny empties the feathers from Snow White's matchbox bed and replaces them with giant rose petals to lay her to rest. It's actually surprisingly kind of touching scene. They actually they take some time to show yeah. the heartbreak of the giants and it starts off they're they're just stunned silent at first and it progresses to them openly weeping over yeah, her yeah they linger on this but to good effect it doesn't feel like it drags as much as they're showing you the impact of what just happened and what they're coming home to mm-hmm. uh, but now brawny goes out to get me a wicked queen and the rest <laughs> of the giants gladly follow chase her up a mountain cuz they mad it's time for vengeance yes Even the vultures are now circling and watching the queen because they know someone isn't coming out of this alive. (laughs) Their time has finally come. Yes. Uh, This battle between the giants and the queen is way more intense than the one with the dwarves. It gets its whole sequence here. Uh, They chase her all the way back to her castle where she summons lightning to strike down the giants, but Brawny's powering through it. It reminded me of the force lightning at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Now he's yeah. having to fight against it. Right. But this is a few years before Return of the Jedi. Oh. So Star Wars is a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> you know that scene in the Snow White Christmas, that beloved classic? We're going to yeah. use that for the last Star Wars we'll ever make. George Lucas mm. was sitting with his family around on Christmas Eve, and he was yes. watching a Snow White Christmas. And he had his little notepad right beside him. He just made himself a quick little note before he went to bed that night. Taking notes. Forgot conveniently where it was from and decided I invented this. (laughs) 
but in this case, Brawny overpowers the lightning and the queen, so she now summons what she calls her nightmare demons. <laughs> that was an option? Where have they been? <laughs> Why not lead with that? Yeah. They look like Godzilla and his monster buddies and... They're like kaiju action figures because they're just sort of like moving their little arms back and forth. It's great. I feel like I've had friends or cousins or something that had a few of these. They look very similar (laughs) to, you're right, kaiju action figures (laughs) that you get at the dollar store. Yeah. Oh, they're the dollar store version. They are dollar store nightmare demons. Oh, Uh, yeah. And while the other giants get ready to fight them off, they don't have to because Hicker's scared out of his mind now and hiccuping so badly, it sends the castle crumbling down on top of the nightmare demons and crushes them. Well, this this is another wonderful economic decision in this movie. You you (laughs) could you could have spent the time, money and effort uh, to animating this intense fight scene with the giants and these kaijus, but you could also just have Hicker hic- hiccup and cause an avalanche, yep. and then everything is solved. Perfect. Death by hiccups. Uh, and then the queen calls on the mirror for help. She says, I must have more powers. So they've been from the mirror this whole time, but now the mirror himself seems to have had enough. He says, too late. The evil for which you use those powers shall consume me even as it shall consume you. Which is confusing, but what it amounts to is the mirror shatters to pieces now and the queen dissolves into a wisp of smoke. Yeah, she's like, maybe it'll get you, but not me. And the mirror's like, I am you. And then they they both disappear. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, then it shatters. (laughs) That's like, that's like fan theory levels of what's really going on in Snow White. (laughs) Did she create a magic mirror in her mind to project her jealousy? Ooh, it's deep. Is it like a soul bound demon to her and that's where she gets her powers? No, it could be. It's the mirror of Dorian Gray. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look it up, kids. Uh, however it worked, it's done now. Hicker's hiccuping has caused the whole castle to collapse. The curse on Noel is lifted and the ice covering everyone melts, including the king and queen. But they find the young Snow White still asleep, and the king says, whatever spell the queen has cast on Snow White, it is forever, which, wait a minute. (laughs) Of all people to just be like, well, nothing we can do about this one. Didn't you kiss a dead girl to wake (laughs) her up, and then she married you? Well, and he he even points it out in the film. He, He goes, oh, it's too bad there wasn't a prince around to bring you to life bring my daughter to life as I brought you to life once, wife. Right? Y- you are uh, t- that was you. Did you can you t- can you just like send out some messengers like hey any any princes? You gotta know more. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a like a younger brother or something? Just like a quick peck on the cheek? Yeah, go networking. Uh and by the way, it's Christmas Eve now. Remember how this is a Christmas special? Oh yeah, well right. this Christmas. <laughs> this is something that I I realized in my last rewatch of this is how much time ends up passing with Snow White unconscious because yeah. 
They say in the beginning of the film that the ice festival takes place a few weeks before Christmas. And we see she spends two nights with the seven giants and then she falls under the evil queen's spell. And then we cut to, you know, we're, we're up to speed now with it's the day before Christmas. So poor little Snow White has been unconscious for literal weeks. Yeah, just in repose for the whole kingdom to mourn. And there's no prince to kiss this Snow White, but her parents both give her a kiss on the cheek. And hey, look, she's awake. Yay. Yay. That's now two seemingly dead princesses. King Charming has awakened with his kiss. <laughs> has he tried actually saving other people with this power? It's, it feels like that should be counted as like a, an actual ability he has at this point. Like, yeah, go out questing and saving princesses who have been put under this spell. But I guess, I mean, he's he's got his queen now. He's got his kingdom to take care of. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. He doesn't want to go around kissing every damsel in distress. Yeah, I guess. I, I was kind of wondering if it was the double whammy of having him and the queen Snow White kiss her. Could be. Yeah, I I kind of, I assumed it was sort of jokes aside to, to, to be like, a, oh, you need like love's, true love's kiss to, to save you from this. But because her parents both love her so much, they give her... That both of them giving her a kiss is like, sure, that's that's (laughs) like parental love has brought her back. Yes, that's exactly what they were going for here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because I feel like that's a very modern take on true love's kiss. Like we've seen that a few times in movies in the last seven years or so. Yeah, they've really brought in that, uh, which I like. I, I no complaints here at all, but this is an early version of this, so yeah. bravo, Filmation. Yeah, ahead of the game. <laughs> uh, and now that Snow White's awake, she's disappointed to learn that the Wicked Queen's castle is destroyed, meaning her original Christmas decree is moot. Oh. But wait! Good old Brawny reveals her parents told him about her decree, so he went and built a whole new castle while she was asleep. I uh, didn't think you'd be around to make the decree. So I uh, took my axe. What I, well, what I, what I mean is, uh, look. Oh, Brawny, I love you. <laughs> I like that the camera just pans over. He's like, well, I, I just got, and I kind of made this thing. And it, the camera pans, and it's this like elaborate castle over Ta-da. on like a highly visible hill, yeah. right? <laughs> right in front of them. It was just over there. She did just wake up. I guess her credit, but it's a pretty fantastic castle. Brony's like a Lego master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'd start to feel jealous. I'd, I'd want to switch my castle for that one. Like, let yeah. the kids have the old busted castle. That's a good idea. It's like when parents give, like, like sell their, their old car to their children so that they can buy the new car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened. No, that didn't happen to me, but it was like a friend's dad. Yeah. Here you go. Here's this giant boat of a Cadillac for $1,000. Oh, and it smokes. Oh, God. Oh, and oh no. It's, and it's only four years younger than I was. And that was my first car. 
So you're just, you're just leaving a little smoke trail everywhere you go. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) It smelled like a fog machine. Yeah. I mean, that tracks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they work. But Christy, does your copy have this weird cut when Brawny's explaining that he built a castle for Snow White? It like skips a bit on mine. Yeah, like it it sounds like something in the audio was edited out or something is missing. Yeah, Yeah, but they just decided, whatever, it's time to print. (laughs) Get it out, get it out. We need to make the primetime slot. Yeah. Uh, It's weird, but but Snow White's so happy, tells Brawny she loves him, and he turns red and angrily insists he's just sunburned. Because he's a man. Yeah. Men Uh, don't have feelings. No. (laughs) (laughs) And then Snow White wishes everybody a Merry Christmas, and that's it. That's the end of a Snow White Christmas. And it's over. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, yeah, we don't actually even get to see Christmas. No, we end on Christmas Eve. We don't get to see any kids go and play in their new play castle. I was kind of trying to look while I was watching. I think there's like a total of of 10 children in this this kingdom, or at least in this city around the castle. Yeah, no more than 10, I'll I'll tell you that. Like, I, I think I saw one or two, and maybe in crowd scenes, there was a couple more. That's it. Yeah. They got a whole castle now. Lots of room. Lucky mm-hmm. kids. Lots of yeah. room. Uh, any final thoughts on a Snow White Christmas? Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's your final thought? Yeah. It was cute. It was a cute little film. It's it's funny because this one, so I, I did not see this one as a child, and yet just the general tone of it and how it looked, it reminded me, it still brought me those nostalgic feelings because all I could think about were these specials that I did watch as a kid. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's hard to describe, but just that certain quality about it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that it is Filmation and I've watched mm. a lot of Filmation specials. So that style and that mood is all there. But I definitely get what you're talking about, where it, it it's a feeling of nostalgia I didn't have for this because I didn't watch it. But it set the same tone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't say I would make this a regular holiday viewing. Nope. You know? No. No. <laughs> but, but I do want to show it to my kids now and see what they think of it. Ooh, that'll be really interesting. That will be. Uh, and this isn't hard to find, but I will say at the year 1980 to make it a little easy for you. Yes, uh, yeah. I ran into that, too. It turns out there's apparently a much more recent film with the same title. Yeah, I don't know if it's a Hallmark movie or some direct-to-video thing, but it's got that same sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I won't lie, I did make a note of it just in case I wanted oh, to cover no. <laughs> <laughs> that one on our podcast. Oh, no. It's coming. No. Uh, well, on that note, if people want to <laughs> turn your spooky castle into a playhouse, where can they find you on the internet, Christy? So we are at the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. So probably easiest way to find us is 
go through our Twitter at Bad Princess MOV. Uh, and Bree, anything else you want to plug? No, that's that's about come come if you feel like it. Come listen to Christy force me to watch a bunch of <laughs> terrible princess films and occasionally some really excellent princess films, but mostly terrible, mostly bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> we we have decided that for all of November, so this will these are all be out by the time this this episode yes. comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to be doing a, a Nutcracker episode for all three Ooh. episodes. Oh, very nice. I've got so many versions of the Nutcracker and I really need to burn through all of them. Yes, please go listen to Bad Princess Movies. It is a very specific joy in my podcast feed. (laughs) So thank you both again for all you do. And thank you both for joining me tonight. Uh, And thanks for recommending this. It was so much fun to talk to you both. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. so fun. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, anytime you come across a Christmas princess movie, then just you light that signal in the sky and we'll be there for you, Mike. Excellent. Noted. (laughs) Uh, Well, podcast pals, you can find show notes for all the tangents we went on today at adventcalendar.house. And I'm on Twitter at FallWestMike. And I'll be back in a couple of days visiting some old friends. Until then... For Christy and Bree from Bad Princess Movies, live from the 42nd Annual Noel Ice Festival, (laughs) this is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch and please don't keep your wooden clocks next to the fireplace, especially when you have tiny people sleeping in them. (laughs) Good night. May all of your Christmases be as wonderful and as happy as mine. And now, these messages. I know you. You're tired of the same old joy of human compassion, overflowing generosity, and quaint, totally anxiety-free coziness of the holidays. You need Christmas to get a little bit weird. I'm Craig Kringle, and I've got you covered. On the Weird Christmas Podcast, I talk to a never-ending garland of writers, historians, filmmakers, and rampant weirdos who do their best to make sure we don't forget just how beautifully odd this holiday can be. We cover everything from Krampus to Christmas werewolves, the real winter elves like the Scandinavian Tomten and Nissa, to Iceland's 13 Yule Lads. And every year we share a good old traditional Christmas ghost story to keep things festive. I also host an annual flash fiction contest so we don't have to read Dickens again. So if you're a real traditionalist who wants Christmas to get back to its roots of creepy monsters, acknowledging the frozen, lifeless heart of winter and eating animal heads, come over to the Weird Christmas Podcast. Or check out weirdchristmas.com and all the surreal vintage postcards I share on social media. So Merry Christmas, and here's hoping Krampus doesn't whip you off to wherever he's from. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Hello, this is Oscar the Grouch speaking. I can't stand Christmas. I'm a 100% Grouch and proud of it. Oh, Oscar. Anyway, I do have orders to say. Welcome to a special Sesame Street Christmas. <laughs>